Be confident. Be bold. Be authentic. But don't forget to take action. This is Ordinary to Badass, where our stories empower women to step into the spotlight of their own lives and pursue what they're truly passionate about. It's time to step into the arena and become more than just extraordinary. It's time to become a badass with your host, Marie Sonneman. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass, episode number 138. In this episode, I talk with Adrian Wheeler. Adrian is the owner of My Solo Unfolding, where she helps divorced moms figure out how to find themselves again and how to parent just a journey of self-discovery. So stay tuned for this episode. I know that you're not going to want to miss it. So many great takeaways, even if you're not divorced. There are definitely a lot of things that we can all tap into for self-discovery and being more creative or more curious and just embracing, embracing the relationships in our life. All right, let's get to the episode. Welcome to Ordinary to Badass. Whether you're ordinary or badass, I'm glad you're here. Today's guest is Adrian Wheeler. Adrian, thank you so much for being here. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Marie. I'm very excited to be here. So before we go any further, I have got to ask you, do you consider yourself ordinary or badass? Badass, for Woo-hoo! sure. <laughs> <laughs> so have you always felt that way? No, actually, I think that's just a more recent um, claiming of the badass title. It's not something I ever felt that I earned. I think I always thought that to be badass, you actually had to do something super amazing and empowering or fierce. And I felt like my story was just very ordinary, very ordinary, like the perfect word for it. So it wasn't until, you know, the last several years of my own journey and path that I realized being badass means stepping into who you are. As you have said, you have to own it own who you are and um, really just step into your authentic self and drop the fear and the shame of things that you may have gone through and just really be who you are meant to be. Was there like a pivotal moment or a circumstance that led you to start to feel like a badass? Uh, There were a couple pivotal moments, probably probably my biggest one was my divorce that I went through eight years ago, separation and divorce. So that sort of started the pivot process. And I think um, the healing itself comes in stages and it's not a straight line and it's very cyclical. And there were points along that that were um, smaller pivot points or pushing me into the pivot direction. Uh, But really it was within the last six months, I took a um, business coaching personal development course with Kathy Heller, made to do this. And it really allowed me and gave me permission to step into who I feel I was meant to be and what I was meant to be doing Um, and doing that in a more messy way. It doesn't have to be something that you really understand right up front, but just start doing it and pushing forward and sharing my story. So that's sort of the more recent pivotal moment. So I love earlier how you talked about like the small pivots along the way that led to the big pivots. 
because I think those are so crucial. Those are the things that really change us. Like we always think it has to be like some big thing overnight, but it's the small ones that lead to the big thing. Absolutely. And I think that's part of why I thought you had to have something big to be badass. Um, and no, it can be something very ordinary. That's just an aha moment in your own life and journey that makes you realize, no, you know what I'm doing this. And there's not a lot of people that take this on and own it. And I'm doing this and I'm strong and I'm getting through some really difficult life situations that might not be extreme or extraordinary from some people's perspective, but for me, it's tough. So yeah, badass completely. (laughs) I love it. So good. So Adrian, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a mom of two teens, a single mom of two teens. And I live in Ontario, Canada, grew up in Northern Ontario, small town, camping and outdoor life Um, and work full time, have a passion project now on the side of that. And really um, divorce has become a big part of not my identity, but who, how I describe myself. So divorced, separated and divorced eight years ago, and just, you know, pushing through the healing journey and figuring out who I was again, and who I am now, um, as a single solo parent. So you said divorce became how you describe yourself. Can you share what you mean by that? Well, I think it's, we tend to define ourselves and become, you know, our job or our position in somebody's life and divorce it was always something that felt really shameful for me and like a failure part of my journey. And I wasn't happy about using that word at all, even separated. It's certainly talking about very much to the people outside of my inner circle. Um, But now I've realized it's not something I need to be ashamed of. It's not something I, that was a failure necessarily. Um, And actually more recently I heard somebody describe divorce as a gift, um, which, you know, in the beginning, maybe not necessarily, but for me, I think it really has been a gift in that it's really allowed me to find who I was because I lost myself in my marriage. I know I'm not alone in that divorced or not divorced, um, especially women fall, um, more, they, they fall prey to this more often because they are, often the caretakers of the children and the family um, just with their role. And it's easy to get lost and forget the things that make you, you, or that made you, you in the first place. So that's why I use it to define myself because it, it has been a gift for me to step back into and center myself and, and come home to myself and step back more into my authentic self or who I've become with my life experiences. So I'm no longer ashamed to call myself divorce. I realize that it's, it does go against the norm to a certain degree, as much as there's more people in a higher rate of divorce, it still goes against the norm and the unexpected. So it's, you know, it was one of the hardest things that I've ever gone through in my entire life. So it's badass and I'm claiming it. (laughs) (laughs) So how does somebody get beyond the shame? I don't know if, if how I managed to get through it would be the same as someone else, but I really feel like it's just doing the work. It's really understanding that it's not about me and only me that got me 
into a divorce situation. It's, it's just a, a relationship that didn't work. It's two people that couldn't come together and make something work. And why should I be ashamed of that when there are things that people do in life outside of with a relationship um, where they're not felt to, to be made shameful if they, you know, lose a job or make a job change or all those things, why should I feel ashamed of that? So for me, it was, it was really trying to figure myself out and the healing journey itself. And again, those little pivotal moments along the way that made me realize it's not something I need to be ashamed of. It's actually something I should be talking about more so that people um, going through the same thing don't feel ashamed. They shouldn't. And talking about divorce and the shame, that's what you do for your passion project, correct? It is. I'm not necessarily focusing on the shame itself, but just focusing more on helping women, single moms, post-divorce, figure out who they are again. Because you know when you get through it that you need to somehow figure that out, but it's how do you do that? So, you know, with my experience, I'm hoping that I can share and guide people through this by just providing them tips or things that worked for me and really holding space for them and making them feel less alone, creating a community where they feel understood and seen, heard. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's so easy to get swallowed in the grief of, you know, losing somebody that you're married to or easy to get depressed or just so many different things. Um, and so in my experience, cause I'm divorced also, like I had to be very intentional about getting out of that or like not getting sucked into the downside, you know, is that anything you experienced? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's because I had kids that I got through it. They were the reason. And my um, ex-husband and I really made an effort to put them first and their needs first and tried not to pit them against each other when we were upset with each other or couldn't come to an agreement on any certain issue. Um, yeah, it's, it was, it was my kids that pushed me through for sure. Um, just making sure that I was healed came second to making sure that they were in a safe place. And I think that, um, you know, when I realized that they had a mom that couldn't keep up with their energy levels and had a mom that wasn't the fun mom anymore, because I couldn't put myself back together. I started realizing, okay, no, I've got to do this. I've got to do this for the people that are looking up to me. And really it's the reason that I started shedding the shame of divorce as well, because I realized leaving a situation that was very toxic for myself and my ex-husband for both of us um, was showing and being a better example of what a loving, healthy relationship was for my kids than staying in it and, and, you know, keeping their family unit together, but being very toxic and showing them um, a really poor example of how you're supposed to treat people that you care about deeply. So was that a concern of yours or a struggle before getting the divorce? Like, oh, what is this going to do to the kids? And kind of how did you navigate through that? Absolutely. Um, yes, it's, it's a concern. It was something that I'm like, I, don't, I should stay together for the kids. Um, they, 
need their parents. They need to be in the same loving household as their parents. And, you know, and I do know people that have waited until their kids were older and out of the house um, for that reason alone. And in the end, those stories, uh, their kids came back in many cases and told them, why did you wait? Like, we were not happy. We could see that you guys were not happy. Why would you have waited until we're gone to make it a more um, stable environment? So yes, they were definitely, you know, I felt guilty about the decision for many, many months, even years after the case, you're second guessing whether it's a decision that's healthy for your family and your kids. But um, in the end, it was now they have two happy homes. And before they didn't, they still remember it was eight years ago, and they still remember um, some of the negative in the household. Right. Well, I mean, I guess that's a testament to you, though, to realizing, okay, this isn't working, this isn't healthy for me. Um, and I want my kids to see healthy relationship. I mean, it's hard. It's hard to do that. And it's hard to like step outside yourself and think of, you know, your kids first. Absolutely. Um, yes, because you're trying to put your own needs first and weigh them against the needs of your kids. And, you know, as a parent, you never put your needs first. You always put theirs first. And there the whole concept of um, the airline putting the oxygen mask on yourself before you put uh, the oxygen mask or help someone else with theirs. It, I, you know, I wasn't thinking that at the time that I was going through my divorce, but now looking back, it certainly makes sense that I had to help myself get to a better place before um, I could help them through life in a, in a healthy way. Like I, my, I changed, I was not a nice person. I wasn't easy to be around. I can't imagine that I was the best mom at that time either. So um, it was certainly for everybody involved. And I had to make that decision as to whether or not we could fix what we had broken together. What, was it something that we could fix while we were still in relationship together? Um, was I able to heal from the hurt of that relationship while I was still in the relationship? And for me, it was the case where I didn't think I could. And then that was the reason why I decided that it was, you know, it's just better for everybody this way. So you have like divorce groups or meetups. I don't know if it's online or what, but, um, with where women meet up, what's something that most women struggle with, with going through a divorce? There are a lot of things that we struggle with. Um, I think one of the bigger ones early on is figuring out who they are, figuring out who you are. Um, because so much of your, well, we've talked about identity. So much of your identity is based on your relationship and most of what you do has, somebody else involved, another adult involved in it, whether it's what you do or decisions that you're making. And suddenly you're sitting there um, by yourself, not knowing who the heck you are, what you want to do, um, carrying forward on your own as a parent. And the other factor is figuring out how to be alone. Because yeah. in a lot of cases, you're sharing custody of kids. And you're suddenly with all this time alone that you didn't have before. Um, and it's not, it's not the same as being in a healthy relationship and just saying, oh my gosh, I need some time away from my family. Um, it's no, this was not a, 
an expected life event. I have all this time suddenly, and I don't know how to deal with it. I'm broken. I'm sad. I'm upset. Um, so it's, I think there's a lot of just, what are some steps that you can do to help figure out how to be alone, figure out who you are again and feel less alone. So it's, yes, I do have some groups and this is sort of what I'm hearing from them. Like there's, there's the, the things that they're actually telling you that they struggle with. And then there's the things that, you know, sit behind that, that maybe just can't be vocalized like the. Mm -hmm when I went yeah. through my divorce, there wasn't anyone else that I knew really outside of one person that was going through it or had been through it. So I really didn't feel like as much as I had all this loving family and friends support that they really understood some of the things that I was going through. Like you, and you'll, you'll get comments along the way from people that say, Oh, you're so lucky. You have all this free time when, you know, I'm sitting there going, I don't know what to do with this free time because it's, I don't know what to do with all the feelings that come up. And, you know, it's, it's just those sorts of things that I think are the biggest struggle. How do you suddenly make time for yourself? Um, especially when you are juggling a ridiculous schedule and sometimes you are on the go from six 30 in the morning until 10 at night. And you finally sit down and you're like, okay, well, I need something for me. How do I fit that in? So, yeah. And I, I mean, I can definitely relate to that. I was a mom of three girls. And then like, after you get a divorce, then it's like, then I'm alone 24 seven, you know, instead of going from six 30 in the morning to 10 at night, doing all the things. So it was really weird mm -hmm. um, adjusting to that, like not having people around or always having to go and do run errands, do things, you know, take them to games, practices, that kind of thing. So I can definitely relate to that. Yeah, when you're on as a parent, you're 100% on. You don't have time to be sick. You don't have time to have a cranky day that you just, you know, your nerves are shot. Your temper is pretty close to boiling point. Like you are the person that's on. And that's, you know, that's sometimes hard to explain to a family unit that hasn't gone through that, right? It's like, right. yes, I do have my free time. But when I, like I'm parenting hundred percent of the time because I'm still getting calls from my kids when they're at their dad's house. And I'm still managing two family household schedules because that was my role before I separated. So it continued to be my role for a long time. And so, yeah, when you're on, you're on. And when you're off, you're running all the errands that you have to do before your kids are back with you again. So it's like this, it seems sometimes like a never ending cycle. My kids are older now, so it's a little bit different, but right, right. So did you find any ways to get through the loneliness? I started um, trying new things and pushing myself to, you know, explore a little bit of sides of me that I'd lost. So, and it was really good for me to have some close female friends, not necessarily that had been through that, but would were willing to take a paint class or try hot yoga for the first time, or, um, you know, just start going for more walks and having more conversations um, because really as much as you have this alone time and there's that tendency to like really not want to be social, um, especially in the very beginning when you're sad and you might just not feel like doing anything it's with connection and getting out there that you do figure out who you are again. And it's an ongoing process. Like you don't have to go through divorce to not know who you are at a certain life stage. Um, but certainly connecting with people, any people, whether it's people that you already have or new people 
and trying new things. Those were the biggest things for me. Yeah. So do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert? Introvert. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I think I sit on the fence. Like if I'm in a group of people that I know well, I, they would be, they would say I'm an extrovert, but I just, it's more who I feel comfortable with, but I need time by myself to recharge. I prefer the alone time at this point. Um, So yes, introvert, which makes it hard to put myself out there and connect with people, right? Yes, exactly. That's kind of what I wanted to talk about because it can be so hard as an introvert to connect with people or to get yourself to ask because sometimes you do have to ask and say, will you do this or you want to go do this? So what did you do, if you remember, to like build up courage or to get yourself to start asking people? Well, it was, it's interesting you say that because one of my biggest lessons in the first few years of my divorce was learning to ask for help. I've never been somebody that's been able to do that easily anyway. And then suddenly you're in this position where like I had people, I had friends and family offering to do things and I refused to take, I'm like, no, I got myself into this situation. I need to figure out how to get myself through it. Like I'm an adult, this is an adult decision, but that's that's just something that I needed to get over because we all need help. Sometimes it doesn't need to be big amounts of help. It can just be little help. Like somebody watching my kids for an hour while I went and get to get groceries without having to lug little kids around. Um, So asking for help was a big thing, but I also had friends that started reentering my life at that point, whether it was um, just the stage we were all at with kids, or I'm not sure, maybe it was just the life situation of having gone through divorce that kind of brought them back around. So I had some close girlfriends. I did feel comfortable asking, Hey, you want to go do this with me? Um, And then as I started more frequently doing things like that, it became easier. Like it's certainly a practice connecting with people is a practice, especially for an introvert. I think extroverts, they don't understand how much of a practice that is for us. Um, and I mean, I would think, or I would say it, this doesn't matter if you're divorced or if you're still married, you know, it is important to connect with people. It's important to connect with your friends because it's so easy to get caught up with kids and life and, you know, doing all the things, but like having things outside of that is also important. Do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. I think we as humans are designed for connection and when we don't, utilize and tap into that we're missing a big part of ourselves we're not um, capable of really understanding ourselves fully unless we're in relationship with people and connecting with people so I would agree with that absolutely so throughout this whole journey um, or maybe just through motherhood have you ever struggled with mom guilt and how do you (laughs) deal with that yes (laughs) all the time all the time I still struggle with it I and my kids are older they're 13 and 16 and I still say look this is my evening and you know if it's something simple like can I come to your house because a day early because it's easier for me to get from your house to x tomorrow morning and I said look I I love you like I love you but in order to be a better mom I really need this evening like I haven't I used the last evening that I had by myself to get all the groceries done and clean the house and tonight I just need quiet. I need to have no child asking me to make them a snack or why is the cupboard empty? (laughs) Um, But yes, I struggle with it. I I don't think that's any, I don't know a mom that doesn't struggle with mom guilt. 
So it's kind of interesting because um, earlier you said like about struggling with being alone or like the loneliness, but now it sounds like maybe part of you has learned to embrace that part when, when yes. it happens. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a journey too, right? When I first um, was separated, I had not been more than one night without my kids since they were born and they were five and seven. Uh, we just didn't have um, close family and friends around that would take our kids for us. And we just didn't, you know, have this kind of life where we needed to be apart from them. So it was huge for me. It was really hard for me to figure out how to be, not only be alone, but be apart from my kids for even a couple days at a time. So it's been a process, but as I started to add things back into my life that I had not had in my life before, like activities or just in general, having activities, whether they were new or old, um, made me appreciate how that was making me a better mom, how taking that rest time and that time to, for myself really gave me more patience and gave me more energy. And fitness was a big part of that too. Um, setting aside that time to work out regularly gave me the energy and also made me realize like, this is important. This is important for not just my health, but my mental health. And that's a huge piece when you're a parent, especially a single parent is your mental health, because it can mean the difference between not getting angry really fast um, or getting angry and over something very small. I'm, I am such a believer and I have not always been this way, but like of getting out in nature or getting exercise or just sitting in with myself. And maybe part of that is from you and I both had done Kathy Heller's course, although we didn't know each other at the time. Um, but do you have any mindset stuff that helps you or a mindset practice meditation, anything like that? These are new things that I'm adding in for sure. So, um, meditation, I wouldn't say I'm consistent, but I do try to take a little bit of time as much as possible. I used yoga a lot. So I guess, I guess that is definitely a mindset, um, meditation practice, but I didn't see it as that. I can't tell you the number of times I would get to the mat and fall to pieces in tears. It's just, it's so, um, therapeutic to go through the act and the actions of any kind of meditation practice. So for me, yoga, I did use that along the way and I still do. Um, but now um, a more like quiet mindfulness practice is something that I'm, I'm, it's a goal that I'm trying to achieve more regularly, but nature is one of my favorite and one of the best healers for me. Um, even if it's as simple as going out and walking around my garden for five minutes when I am feeling disconnected from myself. Um, it's, I, I appreciate so many of the little things, so many of the little things that, you know, we walk by every day. So to, to be present and to notice those things is something that I've, I'm trying to practice more and to, you know, to get myself out into nature more as a, you know, an intentional act to go on more hikes and arrange more walks with friends and, find new cool spots that feel like you're, you know, that view is just, it shifts something in you. It just makes, it brings me peace. And like I said, it's my favorite and most effective healer. So you kind of just hit what I was going to ask next, 
next because you said it shifts something in you. Um, I was going to say, what has this done for you? What has this changed for you in your life? Like taking time for yourself to do things that bring you joy. I think that it's made me a more calm person. I, I can't say that I've been super obviously flustered or freaked out <laughs> except my children um, in the past, but it's, I've realized, especially in the last year with pandemic that we've been dealing with, I realized how many small anxieties and worries that I have on a regular basis. And this just really calms me. It makes me feel more at peace. It, it's not even something that's really easy to describe. If I've been to like five years, six years ago, I went hiking out in um, the Western provinces of Canada and was at the top of four mountains over the course of 10 days. And it's just, it's not something you can just stand there, look at and process in that same moment. Like that had lasting effects on me. That was one of my life-changing moments and trips and really fed me for a long time on that. So it's, it's hard to describe, but when you feel it, you know, it's just a piece. It's something inside you that just feels different and feels like something in you has moved a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's a great way to describe it. So have you always done hiking or was that something that you picked up after the divorce? I would say more after my divorce and it's not always a hiking like through mountains or cool trails or forests. That's certainly something I would like to have weekly if I could. Um, but it's more just getting out and walking. So even if it's through the neighborhood with a friend, we have a lot of trails in the city that I'm in right now. So as much as possible, I'm arranging to go with people. I'm not a big go for walks on my own, mostly just for safety concerns um, outside of anything else. Um, neighborhood, yes. So just getting out anywhere. And yes, I would say that that's certainly something I'm doing more now, even not even eight years ago, but more probably in the last three or four years. So I know we've talked a little bit about hiking and nature and exercise and that kind of thing, but so that might be the answer, but how do you rediscover yourself after a divorce? Well, it's, I think it's the process of, of just that. Um, you don't know what you like unless you've tried it. And so you can't sit there after your divorce and say, okay, I like X, Y, Z. I haven't done X, Y, Z in forever. So I'm going to do those. And then I'm going to be more me and I'll have figured myself out a little bit more. You don't know if you like something until you try it. And that's sort of the um, premise that I went on. I just, I do have a more nature, outdoors, creative. Those two sides have always sort of been present within me. So I did gravitate to just, let's try a pottery class because I haven't done pottery, but I love creating things. Um, so for me, I kind of had an idea of some of the things that I wanted to do, but it's hard. It's when you're in it and you're sad and, you know, you're not feeling really like yourself, it's really hard to figure out what to start with and where. So you might as well start with what you know. So if you do like to bake, then go bake something. And that is actually something that I find a really good stress release and something that kind of taps into creativity. I think too, the, what I've realized is tapping into your creative side, whether you feel like it's a strong piece of you or not, that's something that's going to find 
um, who you are quickly. And I think it's a practice as well. We all have it. We absolutely all have a creative side to us. It's a matter of finding the courage to do something and not like it or do something and not create something beautiful. Who cares? You're doing something different. You're doing something you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. And I can totally relate to that because I 100% was like, I'm not creative. I'm not creative at all. And I would always tell myself that for the longest time. And it probably wasn't until after my divorce that I started being curious and creative about different things. And then, you know, that just sparks a different side of yourself. Um, What have you done to embrace your creativity? A lot of what I do, I would say, airs on the side of creativity. Um, Like in my spare time, even part of my job is the creative marketing piece. Um, That's one of the pieces I love the most. But, you know, I'll decide that I want to repaint my room or a room in my house. And it might seem simple. It might seem uncreative, but it is when you're picking a paint color that makes you feel good about something and you're trying to fit it in with the other paint colors that you already have. Um, You're rearranging furniture. Um, Baking is always something I've done, but I started to cook. I think too, when I started to just try to be a more healthy person and use that as an example for my children as to how to be stronger and healthier, I started to, um, and it was also the thing that my ex-husband did most. He was the cook. Mm. So I didn't cook all that much unless I had to. And I don't (laughs) love cooking when I have to, um, especially for kids that don't eat the same way I do. However, (laughs) um, I found that on weekends when I was alone, I would challenge myself to cook like bigger things and freeze them or put them aside for me in the week. So it was, you know, that might not seem like something creative to anybody else, but to me that was because it wasn't something I was necessarily um, talented in, (laughs) but you are adding different pieces together and you're creating something. So yeah, those those would be some of the bigger things. And like I've mentioned, I took a pottery class. I did a paint class. I did a woodworking class. Like I, I wanted to explore, I'd like to tap into dance, but I'm still a little nervous about looking like a fool. (laughs) Uh, We all look like fools at some point, you know, when you're learning, it's like, but it's fun. Right. Yeah. And as you were talking, I, it just kind of occurred to me, like, maybe it's just change breeds creativity. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's how divorce can spark creativity just because it's a gigantic change in your life, you know? So if you let it, it can help you be curious or, you know, make major changes, but then also lead to creativity. I don't know. Absolutely. I think you're right. And we, nobody likes change. Nobody (laughs) likes it. Even if we say we do, we don't like it because we get stuck in routine, especially as we get older. And it is, it, it promotes um, shifting in and of itself because you are forced to do something a little bit different or in a different way because you don't have what you had before. Uh, you're forced to learn new skills. I learned how to use power tools. I've, you know, built a garden box for myself with a pattern I found on the internet. Um, and I didn't have the right tools, but I kind of went with what I had. <laughs> so yes, absolutely. I love the power tool story. (laughs) I think that that helps with confidence. Have you found that at all? Like trying these things that you never thought that you would do. And then you're like, oh, I just built that. That's cool. (laughs) Well, and I've always, you know, there's always been things that I've done 
whether a small bit of something or taken on a larger role of something that I like to feel powerful. Like I like to feel empowered, whether it's like the kickboxing class I used to take in university or um, even weight, like lifting weights and watching your muscles grow. Like that makes you feel strong and badass. Those are more of the things that I would have, you know, associated with badass. So yeah, I mean, it's, those things are the things that I loved. Yeah. I think it's the trying, the failing and like somehow figuring out a way to get to the end. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And learning new things along the way and how to cope. And (laughs) (laughs) yes, indeed. (laughs) So Adrian, let's end with a tip to encourage women who are in the arena fighting for the life that they want. And then if you'll share how we can connect with you. I would say the number one is to connect, try to find, especially try to find people that um, are in your piece of the story. So if you're going through divorce, find something or someone that has gone through it just to make you feel less alone. But if that's not the case, I mean, we do this naturally anyway, when we start to have kids, when we're in that age group, we gravitate towards all the other people that are having kids just naturally. So when you're going through divorce, it's not something that feels natural to do to go seek out other people that have been through divorce or are in the process. But um, if I did not have my friend, Heather, I don't know that I would have got through it quite the same. Um, So that would be my biggest piece of advice. If that's not something that can be done, then it's just have grace, give yourself some compassion and give yourself grace and take small steps. So good. And I'm sure that they can find a community with you. Is that right? If, if you don't have a community and you want to um, join mine, yes, absolutely. You can find me on Instagram at my solo unfolding. And I have a private Facebook group as well for divorced moms. Um, but all the information is on the Instagram and lots of information and tips on there for free. So <laughs> Okay. Awesome. I will add that to the show notes. Thank you so much, Adrian. You've been a total badass and I've enjoyed hearing your story. Thank you for having me, Marie. With that, we'll end our show. To all the badass women out there staying in the arena, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, own it and get after it. Now that you've listened to this episode of Ordinary to Badass, we want to hear from you. Go to our website, OrdinaryToBadass.com slash podcast and submit your own experience on how you took your life from ordinary to badass and get the chance to be on a future Spotlight episode of the show. That's OrdinaryToBadass.com forward slash podcast. While you're waiting for the next episode of the show, wipe off the sweat, dust off the dirt, and get back in the arena.